Father Athanasios Heros, and I'm the dean here at the St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Tarpon Springs, Florida, and I'm your host for Be Transfigured Ministries. Welcome back to another live Bible study on 1 Corinthians, as we say, inspired by the homilies of St. John Chrysostom. Welcome back. If you're new, welcome for the first time. We'd like to welcome you and tell you if you're ever here in Tarpon Springs, we'd like you to join us in person here in Father Trifon Hall in downtown Tarpon Springs. There are actually people in the room. But if you're new, you have no idea what's going on, so let me tell you how it works. So our Bible studies on the first Corinthians, we follow each homily every week from St. John Chrysostom. Now, in this particular case, although they're called homilies, we do believe that these were actually Bible studies prepared and taught by St. John Chrysostom somewhere in the year 385 AD when he was a priest in Antioch. This was before he became patriarch. And so the benefit for us is that St. John Chrysostom is writing in the fourth century about a church in Antioch which was very much similar to modern-day America and very similar to the biblical times in the city of Corinth. In all three cases, we have highly educated people, very wealthy, multicultural, very secular, and also very divided. It was not a very unified community. So we get benefit because that's a very American reality as well. And so each week we encourage people to read the homily in advance. I hope you all get a chance to read it in advance because in Bible study, we're gonna read the scripture portion and then we're going to pull out bits and pieces from St. John's Chrysostom's homily and hopefully be inspired. We say hopefully, but let's face it, anytime you read St. John Chrysostom, it is an inspiration. There is a study guide, and if you've looked online, I have just recently redeveloped uh, and reformatted the online study guides. You can find those on my website at livealifeinchrist.org slash Bible-studies. And there's a button for each session. Tonight is session 27, and it follows homily 26. In the study guide is a link to the homily. 1 Corinthians tonight, we have chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. And as I mentioned last week, we're going to talk about head coverings tonight. So it's a big hot topic these days in the Orthodox world. So hopefully uh, we should enjoy ourselves. Now there is a live chat room available, but you must be watching on YouTube. If you're watching on my website or on Facebook or somewhere else, then you need to actually launch YouTube. And at the bottom screen, it should say show on YouTube or play on YouTube or something like that. Click on there and you'll see a live chat room. Presbytera Vasi, my wife, is the moderator of the chat room. And every now and then she'll send me a question. She's not in the room tonight. Sometimes she's actually with us in the room, but she is not here, so she's following from another location. Top secret, by the way, we don't know where she is. And, I mean, I know where she is, but nobody else does. And uh, she will eventually, every now and then, she'll send some questions my way. 
which I'll add to the conversation. So one final thing, as you are watching online, you will have seen a commercial, an advertisement pop up before you started. We are currently in the middle of a fundraising program to eliminate all ads in our Bible studies. There is a donation button on YouTube, or you can also go to our website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org slash give and make a contribution there to help us eliminate our advertisements. Our ministry is completely supported and funded by your generosity. Okay, I think that's all our announcements, isn't it? Right? Anybody else? Okay. So, um, looks like we have someone from Detroit, someone from Virginia. Philip is back from Macedonia, so now we are from multiple countries. Uh, someone named Papa Randy is here, but I'm not quite sure where he is from, so maybe he can let us know where he's from. But let's go ahead and dig right in and start with our prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Shine within our hearts, loving Master, the pure light of your divine knowledge, and open the eyes of our minds that we may comprehend the message of your gospel. Instill in us also reverence for your blessed commandments, so that having conquered sinful desires, we may pursue a spiritual life, thinking and doing all those things which are pleasing to you. For you, Christ our God, light of our souls and bodies, and do we give glory together with the Father who is without beginning in your all-holy good and life-creating spirit, always, now, and forever, and to the ages of ages. Amen. Oh, uh, let's see, we have somebody in Houston as well. So we have a, a nice variety and people, of course, here in Tarpon. Huh? They're coming back from vacation, yeah. I always find it really exciting that we have people from other countries even joining us in because Macedonia, you know, is on the other side of the globe. And it's 7 p.m. here, so it's like, like sunrise is like very early, very early in the morning. Philip, let us know what time it is there in Macedonia. We'd love to know. How's the weather also? How's the weather in Ma Macedonia? Probably is, is the same time zone as Greece. So that's what, seven hours or eight hours difference? So if it's 7 p.m. now, that means what? It's 2 o'clock in the morning. That's pretty good. That's pretty good to be watching us at 2 o'clock in the morning, even if it's 3 o'clock in the morning. I'll take it. Okay, so again, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 2. It's 1 a.m. in Macedonia. Philip just told us 1 a.m. Thank you, Philip. All right, so let's dig right in. Who Do I volunteer to read chapter 11, verses 2 through 16? Do I have a volunteer? All right, Cynthia, make sure you bring the microphone up, good up, like this close to your mouth so they can hear you at home. Just as I delivered them to you, but I want you to know man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. For that is one and the same as if her head were shaved. For if a woman is not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it is shameful for a woman to be shorn or shaved, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for this woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head, because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman, but all things are from God. Judge among yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not even nature itself teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a dishonor to him. But if a woman has long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her for a covering. But if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, 
nor do the churches of God. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, so we're going to keep this context, right? So the context that we're talking tonight is the practice of head coverings, right? The, the mandili in Greek. And so, or I guess in Russia, babushka. Um, so let's see, because this happens to be a very timely topic for those of us here uh, in America, because I would say that within, within the United States, some people wear the head covering, some people don't wear the head covering, and some people like to fight about head coverings. So this is a really good topic for us tonight. So let's dig right in. By the way, uh, if you're new to our Bible study, I want to explain how the study guide is laid out. You will see text analysis, which is uh, addressing chapter and verse, verse by verse, like a traditional Bible study would. Then you're going to see a, um, a life application where St. John Chrysostom almost always, we've only found twice in the past multiple years where this has not been the case, where he goes into some kind of moral teaching. Maybe it's because of one word, one verse, or what have you, and I call that the life application on the study guide. And then we wrap up with a send-off, something that's going to inspire us to head off and go between now and our next Bible study. In the study guide, you see section numbers. Tino, notice I have them properly laid out this week. You can follow. And that is so you can find these quotes in the homily itself. These are not St. John Chrysostom's uh, section numbers. It's the editor of the homily has given us the section numbers, okay? So if you're looking for these quotes, and again, I would recommend reading the homily once or twice so you can get an idea. Uh, it is, it's, we can almost do and read the homily instead of reading the scriptures, but we're here for doing a Bible study. So, so let's dig right in. Our first quote uh, in section one, number one. St. Paul's style is to cater each teaching to the situation. This sets up how he will deal with head coverings, right? So listen to what Chrysostom says here. Thus, when the offense is admitted, he both accuses vehemently and threatens. But when it is questioned, he proves it and then rebukes. And what was admitted, he aggravates. But what was likely to be disputed, he shows to be admitted. Right? So what that means is that based on the conversation, based on the situation, and based on the topic, it changes how St. John Christum will address it. And so uh, I want to point out here where it says, he first proves it and then rebukes. In other words, as if they're maybe denying that there's a problem and what have you, okay? So this is how he's going to deal with head coverings. He's going to put these different pieces together. Point number two. We are not only expected to not be bad, but we should be good. Now keep in mind, St. John Chrysostom is reaching in to Corinthians and he's talking to people in the fourth century, 385. And so sometimes these things are linked and he's gonna bring the head coverings and he's using that to address other topics as well not exclusively just whether or not we should be wearing uh, our heads covered. So I want to keep that in mind as we're going through the context. As you're reading the homily, he's using this and he's going on to other parallel examples. Okay, so here I've titled this, we are not only expected to not be bad, but we should be good. Listen to what he says here. He not only withdraws them from several crimes, but invites them also to their contraries. Thus he said not only that one must not commit fornication, but likewise that one ought to exhibit great holiness. Wherefore he added, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, right? So he's gonna use this head covering topic to say it's not always about what you're not supposed to do, it's also about what you should be doing in other contexts. And again, he's using the head coverings here as a teachable moment. I don't want us to think that there is this rigidity 
this concrete nature about head coverings in the church, okay? St. Paul is using it to make a lesson, and St. John Christum is using it to make a lesson. And I'm hoping we can gain from that lesson and maybe have a little fewer, a few ba uh, less battles here in America. Okay, section two, point number three. St. Paul had already addressed head coverings in person, but obviously not everyone was obedient. Now, before I read this quote, just as a friendly reminder, St. Paul did not randomly invent topics to talk about. He either saw them and witnessed them, or, and in many cases, as was the case in Corinthians, people are asking him to teach, right? And it's obvious by what he's saying here and what St. John Christum will say, that obviously he had discussed this topic once before. Okay, and you're going to notice because he does that, he gets a little bit more agitated. Okay, so listen to the point here. Since then, he had already admonished them concerning these things when present, and some perhaps listened to him and others disobeyed. Therefore, in his letter also again, he foments the place like a physician by his mode of addressing them and so corrects the offense. I like that. He foments the place. In other words, my, my, my interpretation it's almost like he's on the fringe of losing his patience. I already told you, and the exact quote here is, right? Um, uh, where, where he says, right, all the things in which I delivered them to you. I've already talked about these things, right? Um, and so there's a almost like he's losing his patience there. Number four, not everything St. Paul taught was written down. Again, this is an important lesson even for our Protestant brothers and sisters who, who say, you know, if it's not in the Bible, it's not real or, or that kind of thing. Chrysostom says this, it appears then that he used at that time to deliver many things also not in writing, which he shows too in many other places. But at that time he only delivered them, whereas now he adds an explanation for their reason. Thus both rendering the one sort the obedient more steadfast and pulling down the other's pride who oppose themselves. Right, so it's almost as if, like in this case, he said, wear them, and maybe he left it at that. But because they weren't obedient, now he's having to go into a greater, a greater explanation. And remember, there's always a context here. Whether we had the, from before the context of the meat offered to idols, and the context of this, and the context of that, there's always a context here that we cannot ignore. Here we go. This is why I say he's using it as a, as, a, as a teaching. Point number five, St. Paul elevates head coverings to a spiritual discourse about the nature of God. This is his account of the reason of the thing, and he states it to make the weaker more attentive. He indeed that is faithful as he ought to be and steadfast does not require any reason or cause of those things which are commanded him, but is content with the ordinance alone. But he that is weaker when he also learns the cause, then both retains what is said with more care and obeys with much readiness. In other words, the faithful person, the one who is more spiritually engaged is not the one necessarily who is demanding explanations. For those people, it's enough that St. Paul says, do something, right? It's kind of like when we talk to our spiritual father and our spiritual father gives us an instruction, right? The more faithful we are, we take the instruction and we move on. The weaker we are, we demand further explanation. Well, why do I have to? Come on, I, you know, it was like, it's like we're almost f demanding and pushing that our spiritual father defend his position, 
right? I think that's what Chrysostom is saying here is that St. Paul is taking this elevated, talking about creation and representing God and the authority of God, all these lofty spiritual truths about God, because now he's forced to explain to a weaker person why he said what he said when he was there. Does that make sense for everybody? Okay. And again, I think that helps us because, again, tonight we're talking about head coverings, but next week we're going to talk about something totally different. We're going to talk about unity in the church next week. And all of these things, as contemporary Americans, we're like wrapped up into proof texts. Oh, yeah, prove it. Oh, yeah, give me the the you know the long mathematical formula of why something we should follow and why it's good and saint john christmas saying look if you're faithful just do what the church says you know you don't have to argue all the time i say that finding myself arguing all the time <laughs> all right section number three in the homily point number six we must be careful not to think comparisons between us and God are interchangeable. Okay, now remember, these headlines are my descriptions, right? Not, not St. John Chrysostom's. So that we must not try all things by like measure in respect ourselves and of God, though the language used concerning them is similar, but we must assign to God a certain appropriate excellency, and so great as belongs and so great as belongs to God. For should they not grant this, many absurdities will follow. If you remember the the, the context of this in the in the homily, Saint John Christum is making these comparisons. Man is representing of God, but then he also says, the servant who represents the king. Right? So he's using some comparative language there to prove a point and to teach. But his further point is, now let's not confuse, we're not exactly comparing us to a king as in man to God, right? There's, we're, we're, they're, not, they're not completely interchangeable when, we, when you use those examples. Right? And St. Paul does this all the time. St. Paul sometimes says, now I'm speaking to you in human terms. Right? We, we do our best, and sometimes we use not-so-perfect comparisons. But Chrysostom's main point here is that let's be careful not to assume that every comparison means that everything between us and God is interchangeable. Just because it's the same word doesn't mean it's the same attribute. Right, so it's a, it's, a good, it's, a, it's a good warning, especially when we're using our fallen, our fallen mentality. And here he makes it a point, because of he's talking about women being subject and all that kind of thing, my point here is a, the woman is not lower in power like a slave. Listen to what St. John Chrysostom says here. For had Paul meant to speak of rule and subjection, as you say, he would not have brought forward the instance of a wife, but rather a slave and a master. For what if the wife be under subjection to us? It is as a wife, as free, as equal in honor. Right, so there's that warning. Just because the woman is subject to man, meaning her husband, doesn't mean it's the same as a slave subject to his master, because those are all the different comparisons. And so that's an important thing. He's like, no, she's subject as a wife who is free, who is equal to her husband, right? But still subject to him, right? So there's that beautiful teaching there. And again, all of this coming, all this beautiful understanding, merely by discussing headscarves. I mean, who'd have thought one little topic about head, head coverings could have so much nuance about the relationship of a husband and a wife and a king and, a, and God and uh, equality versus slavery, all of those things just by discussing head coverings. I think it's pretty cool. All right, section four in the homily. Point number eight. And this is where we're getting down to the meat now of the topic of head coverings. The issue of head coverings is about mutual respect of God. 
This is going to be an important teaching for us to grab onto. Symbols many and diverse have been given both to man and woman, of, to him of rule, to her of subjection, and among them this also that she should be covered while he has his head bare. If now these be symbols you see, that both err when they disturb the proper order and transgress the disposition of God and their own proper limits, both the man falling into the woman's inferiority and the woman rising up against the man by her outward habiliments. So what's really being talked about here is that there is a natural relationship between a husband and a wife. Natural meaning not worldly natural, natural meaning how God designed it, right? And keep in mind that this passage in Corinthians is not just about women wearing head coverings, but about men not wearing head coverings. That should be an indication St. Paul is talking about the relationship of husband and wife. He's not specifically talking about head coverings. He's using head coverings to teach about the proper relationship between husband and wife. Okay, And specifically here that there's a mutual role to play. Okay, and that a wife, remember this gets back into women should keep their mouths shut, right? We talked about that how many weeks ago. A wife is disrespectful not to the husband per se, but to God when she tries to trump and get rid of her nature in the relationship and try and take his nature in the relationship. Right? When a wife tries to become a husband or the husband tries to become a wife, and I'm not talking about gender identification and all that kind of baloney. I'm talking about the roles, right? The, the relationship. That's what is disrespectful. And so he's saying that when a woman is not covering her head, she's claiming the role of the husband. That's what is disrespectful. Not that she has to have her head covered all the time. Right? And he goes on to talk about nature and, you know, her hair. And Chrysostom goes on even to say, well, what if she's naturally bald and all this kind of thing, right? And so it's about the proper understanding and mutual relationship of respect between husband and wife. That's the key. It's not about head coverings versus no head coverings. Number nine. Nature is created by God. Since women and men are naturally different, it is wrong to interchange them. What did I just say, right? This is as if I'm reading my own stuff. But when I say nature, I mean God. For He it is who created nature. When therefore you overturn these boundaries, see how great injuries ensue. Number 10. It is wrong to reject your glory in exchange for another. Remember, this whole context in section four is about the mutual relationship between husband and wife, not taking or giving the other or trumping or this or that, that mutual respect. It is wrong to reject your glory in exchange for another. Christum says this, But if any say, Nay, how can this be a shame to the woman if she mount up to the glory of the man? We might make this answer. She does not mount up, but rather falls from her own proper honor. Since not to abide within our own limits and the laws ordained of God, but to go beyond is not an additional, but a diminution. Right? So for St. John Chrysostom, a woman taking the role of a man in meaning not covering her head, she's throwing away her own honor as the woman. And Christmas, that's what's dishonorable. It isn't whether or not her head is covered, that she's trying to be a man. She's saying, I'm not my womanhood, if that's the right word, I guess maybe in these, in these days, that's the word used. My womanhood is not good enough. I have to now also become the man. 
That's what's disrespectful because God made us different. Males and females are not interchangeable, right? I don't care what they say on the nightly news about gender identity and trans this and trans that. Women and men are not interchangeable. God created us both with our own distinct honor. And what Kristam is saying here is what's wrong about women not covering their heads is that they're trying to say that the man's honor is worth more than the woman's honor. And they're disrespecting their own honor. And I wish we could have more of those conversations, you know, in our society than just, oh, I can do whatever I want to do. Yeah, but it was the modern times at the time, so probably the women, they thought... Right, so, the, and, and Chris has done, that's a good point, so they couldn't hear you. Uh, uh, Maria says that it, it, this is about their modern times in Corinth. So Chris has done mentions that. He says that that was the standard understanding at that time, okay? Now, we're reading it in the 21st century, and we have a different modern time here, okay? But I don't think it is insignificant that in our, one of our modern struggles is this idea that that women and men are interchangeably. They're not interchangeable, okay? It's, again, it's not about head coverings. It's about being genuine and honoring what God has created. What he's created is male and female, different, unique, equal in honor. Remember, St. Paul says, you can't have one without the other. You can't have women without men. You can't have men without women. They are both equally honorable. And that's what's sinful about this head covering thing is trying to be the other rather than taking the honor that God has given us. Point number 11. Head coverings are a symbol of our relationship with God and each other. For the ruler, when he comes before the king, remember I said this comparison of these terminologies is not 100% interchangeable. For the ruler, when he comes before the king, ought to have the symbol of his rule. As therefore, no ruler without military girdle or cloak would venture to appear before him that has the diadem, so neither do thou without the symbols of your rule one of which is not being covered, pray before God, lest you insult both yourself and him that has honored you, right? And again, this is understanding what is our relationship with God, okay? The fact that in, a, in, in the human creation, that man is, a, in St. Paul talks about this in marriage and what have you, that man is the, uh, the representation, representative of God, and woman is representative of man. This has been going on, you know, from the very beginning. Looks like we may have a question here from the... Hey, yep, there's a question. Bezvidel, um, you actually have to type the question because I can't follow it on the, on the message. So she'll type her question, we'll get to it. Right, so it is, it is important that we recognize that relationship with God, okay? For example, in marriage, what does St. Paul say the, the role of the husband is? To love Christ, to love his wife as Christ loved the church in the role of Christ. Well, what did Christ do? He died for the church. So as husbands, we're expected to die for our wife. That is what is honorable husband in a relationship. The wife, what's her role? To be subject to the man as to the Lord, right? Not, and so when a woman tries to trump, when a wife tries to trump the husband and the husband disrespects and decides he doesn't want to die for his wife, now that is out of balance, now there's dishonor in the marriage. Right? It's not because one rules over the other. We're trying to acknowledge our specific role. Okay, here's the question. 
Does a woman who doesn't cover her head desire the male role? Okay, so I, I think the answer is in today's context, no. But in the ancient context, yes. I think that's the simplest answer. That's why St. John Chrysostom and St. Paul are making this comparison between gender roles, okay? Obviously, in the modern church, men and women do not cover their heads in most cases. In some cases, men and women both cover their heads, right? You go to a monastery and all the monks have head coverings on, right? And so do the women. But if you go to a women's monastery, the men who are visiting don't have their heads covered. So there, in today's context, it's not about gender roles. This is why we get wrapped up when we're fighting over head coverings. Because it isn't about the head coverings. It's what are we trying to accomplish? We also don't ban women from speaking in church anymore, right? There's a reason St. Paul said, women, keep your mouth shut. Because in that context, they were trying to become and be the man. And he's like, no, be who you are. You're the woman, and you have your own great, um, great respect. Okay. Uh, is she disrespectful to God in modern times? No, I don't think that's disrespectful of God. And what about widows? Um, well, a widow is its own, it's its own gift, widowhood, widowhood, is that what it's called, widowhood? Right? Um, I, again, the, the, but a widow is not trying to be her husband, she's being the widow, right? That's, that's the role of the, I, I think that's the essence here. If we, can, if we can remember that we're talking about respecting each other as God created us, women and men are equally honored in the relationship. Women don't, shouldn't need to feel to be men. Men shouldn't need to feel to be women, right? That's one of the reasons why our society is so messed up, is because we think we're interchangeable and we're not interchangeable, and we're not interchangeable. Okay, all right, moving on. Section number five in the homily. I think I got all those questions. She's got, she wore one more, did a widow cover her head? I think in the ancient time, all women would have covered their heads. Okay, section number five, point number 12. Men and women need each other. Neither can exist without the other. And it's about time we start acknowledging that. We need each other. Thus, Chrysostom says, because he had given great superiority to the man, having said that the woman is of him and for him and under him, that he might neither lift up the men more than was due, nor depress the women, see how he brings in the correction saying, Howbeit, neither is the man without the woman, nor the woman without the man in the Lord. Examine not, I pray, says he, the first things only, and that creation. Since if you inquire into what comes after, each one of the two is the cause of the other, or rather, not even thus each of the other, but God of all. Right? It's about time we start living as if we need each other. Okay. Now, I guess I could make a little joke here and remind my wife that she can start taking out the garbage. <laughs> but that would mean I would start cooking. I'm just, I'm just joking anyway. And you don't want that. My son takes out the garbage. Neither one of us takes out the garbage. That's my son's job. Anyway, okay. It's just a joke. It's okay. Don't get, don't get uh, all upset. Okay, point number 13. Even nature and other creature cultures show men and women are different. 
his constant practice of stating commonly received reasons he adopts also in this place, betaking himself to the common custom and greatly abashing those who waited to be taught these things from him, which even from men's ordinary practice they might have learned. So there's the proof there that again, this idea of covering your head or not covering your head, this is the ancient custom and this is the cultural custom. This is not something theologically put upon the church. He's just using to say, look, even nature understands husbands and wives, men and women are different. Nature tells us that, right? You look at the, the animal kingdom, right? The male lions do one thing and the female lions do the other, right? One cannot live without the other, okay? Same thing within humanity. Point number 14. It is sinful to oppose out of contentiousness. This Chrysostom just points out, he's referring to people who are just disobedient. It is then contentiousness to oppose these things and not any ex exercise of reason. Notwithstanding, even thus, it is a measured sort of rebuke which he adopts to fill them more with self-reproach, which in truth rendered his saying the more severe. So in other words, it's like he's saying, look, for those of you, he says, right, um, but if anyone seems to be contentious, we have no such custom, nor do the churches of God. Just keep in mind, he's not saying that we don't have a custom of head coverings. He's saying we don't have a custom of being contentious. That's what he's saying here in this very last verse. Okay, and so Christum is saying, look, it's that contentiousness that has to be avoided. There's absolutely, you know, if you're not going to use reading, you're just going to say, no, I'm not doing that. What are you, like three years old having a tantrum? Right? Okay. So, here we are now, as I said, we launch now into our life application. And so we're going to go on our life application topic tonight. But if, that, if there's any other questions that I may have missed, please chime in there. So our life application I've, I've titled, Our Relationship Should Reflect God. Okay, so for those of you watching online, if you don't have the study guide or if you don't have the homily, I have prepared some slides so you can actually watch on the screen if that makes it easier for you. Okay, so point number one. How we live should be just as important as how we dress. Keep in mind, so Chrysostom is taking one little bit and he launches into this teaching thing. So our relationships should reflect God. For if one ought not to have the head bare, but everywhere to carry out the token of authority, much more is it becoming to exhibit the same in our deeds. Right? In other words, don't just dress like a holy person and live like a sinner. Right? We should how we live should be just as important as how we dress. There's the hypocrisy of yep. saying one thing and doing another. Or in this case, dressing one way and living another. Next point. Look at your own failings rather than others. But let us not do thus, nor inquire into the things enjoined on others, when we are charged with regard to our own. For neither will your obtaining a partner in the charges free you from the blame, but look to one thing only, how you may rid yourself of those charges which lie against yourself. So if I remember the context of the, of the homily here, He's saying that sometimes we are comforted by finding other people who are sinning in the same way we are, right? And it's like, look, they're doing it, right? Like my dad just, like my dad just say, what? If they jump off a bridge, you can jump off a bridge too, you know? Johnny's doing it. So look at your own failings. Don't don't look at the failings of others. Next point. And remember, all this is about our relationships should reflect God, right? Who is God? That loving relationship. Be obedient to God even if others are not. 
For this is especially to obey God, not to transgress the law, even when suffering things contrary to it. And by the same rule, he that being beloved loves is not reckoned to do any great thing. But he that waits upon a person who hates him, this above all is the man to receive a crown, right? Be obedient to God even if others are not, right? The extra blessing we receive when we help even if those are not helping us in return, right? Christ says, well, even the sinners do as much. You know, what benefit is that? Next, section seven in the homily, point number 18 in our study guide. We should focus on our duties rather than the duties of others. Remember, that's the context of head coverings, right? Wives and husbands, men and women, exchanging their duties as if they're interchangeable. We hear St. John Christmas, focus on what you're supposed to do and not worry about what others are supposed to do. So also was it with those of old time. Each was employed in fulfilling his own duty, not in exacting that of his neighbor. Okay. Section 8, next. Point number 19. Now, we've added this here in Christmas. I'm actually makes it a point to add in. We've taught, we're talking about all this women be subject to men and all this kind of thing. And so Kristam adds this thing here about the treatment of women. Men should not beat their wives. I know it's weird. It should go without saying. Um, but all of this language about subjection and obedience, he wants to make it crystal clear that it does not give license to a man. So he says, and I say this not for his wife to be beaten, far from it, for this is the extremest affront, <clears throat> not, to, not to her that is beaten, but to him who beats. Right, so he wanted to make it crystal clear. Look, I know we talk about authority and all that kind of thing, but lest you men get the wrong idea, do not beat your wives. And so he makes it another point, he makes it even further. He says, a man is a wild beast, if he beats his wife. They used to do it. Well, and they still do it. look, this is 385, so this is not a new problem, right? Christism says this. For surely it comes of extreme lawlessness when your partner of life, she who is in the most intimate relations and in the highest degree is united with you, when she, like a base slave, is dishonored by you. Wherefore, also such a man, if indeed one must call him a man, and not rather a wild beast, I should say, was like a parricide and a murderer of his mother. <clears throat> I mean, so there is, he, he, Chrysostom here is holding no punches. He is absolutely, there is no gray area here. Right? And remember, this goes all the way back. He's not saying that women are subject men as in a life of a slave, but subject as a wife, as free, as an equal. That's her subjectness, right? Not as, not as a slave, lest, lest he beat the woman who is his partner and his intimate with him. Okay, next. It is a great honor to rule with grace. For therefore, were thou, ordained, were thou ordained to be a ruler, and were assigned to her in a place of a head, that you might bear with the weakness of her that is set under you, make then your rule glorious, and glorious it will be when the subject of it meets with no dishonor from you. Right? And if I were to put it in a different way, Christam is saying here to, to, to men, don't lord it over her, right? Yes, we're, yes, we're in, in the place of rule, but not to, to lord it over her, but to rule with grace. And there is where we get the honor as a husband. Keep in mind, again, we can't live without the other. 
our last point before we move on to our, to our send-off. Strive always for peace at home. Since your wife is to you both a harbor and a potent healing charm to rejoice your heart, well then, if you shall free your harbor from winds and waves, you shall enjoy much tranquility on your return from the marketplace. But if you fill it with clamor and tumult, then do thou dost but prepare for yourself a more grievous shipwreck. So, it's like, it's like you're saying, look, people, if you know what's good for you, <laughs> keep peace with your wife. You're out in the world, men. You're out attacking the world. You're out making a living. You're out this, you're out that. If you keep peace with your wife, you're going to come home to a safe harbor and to peace and calm and relaxing and you'll be refreshed. If on the other hand, you treat your wife like dirt and you go out into the world, you come back, you're going to be treated, you know, have some, have some common sense, he says, right? That do much better if you live at peace. Because she hasn't had it easy, too. All right. Look, she's, she's been ruling the home, which is not easy, especially back then. It's a little easier now, you know, with our modern technologies, but come on now. Come on now. <laughs> but I love it that, that St. John Christum here is literally appealing to, the, to common sense. He goes, look, if you know what's good for you, right? Treat her with grace and peace. So when you come home, you'll find comfort and refreshment as opposed to, quote, a more grievous shipwreck. <laughs> All right. So here we are. Our send-off is where St. John Christum is giving us that last bit of oomph, that last bit of advice to send us off until next week's Bible study. Compared to the secular life, a peaceful family brings blessings from God. I think this is a great way to close, and then we'll see if there's any questions. Compared with this, let house and slaves and money and lands and the business itself of the state be less in our account. And let it be more valuable than all in our eyes that she who with us sits at the oars should not be in mutiny and disunion with us. For so shall our other matters proceed with a favoring tide. And in spiritual things also we shall find ourselves much the freer from hindrance drawing this yoke with one accord. And having done all things well, we shall obtain the blessings laid up in store, unto which may we all attain through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. So, striving for peace. You know, St. Paul says it all the time, right? As much as it in your power, be at peace with all people. So, I hope we realize that head coverings is not about head coverings. And that our context needs to be, what is our relationship to each other? Okay. I think for St. Paul, that's the issue here. And we can use that to help our world or help our society. Because our society has gone off the deep end right, where males and females are totally interchangeable and we don't need this and we don't need that. And, and if you look at many studies, they're showing that this situation is bringing more turmoil and more anxiety upon our society. It's not bringing comfort at all to our society, right? And so um, as St. John Chrysostom has done for us and St. Paul did for us. I hope you too, watching at home, have found a little better understanding. If you want to wear your head covering as a woman, it's okay, you may, you're not obligated to. Um, but I would say, if you're gonna not wear your head covering so you can be equal to man, then maybe you've missed the point of tonight's Bible study. Any last questions? Yes. Well, how, how would you respond to some of the jurisdictions that are stricter with women wearing head coverings? Right. And, and I would say it, it's, it, there's nothing wrong with wearing head coverings. Right. What I wanted us to do tonight is to say, okay, what, 
what was St. Paul really saying? Because Chrysostom makes it a very, Chrysostom says it's really about the relationship. It's not about a scarf. I would say in the same way, okay, so the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese is not very strict with head coverings, as opposed to, let's say, the Russian Orthodox uh, Church here in America is much more strict. You go to a monastery, you follow what their rules are. I think the real context is understanding that relationship. So if we are going into a church that expects us to, to dress a certain way, then out of respect for that culture, we're not, again, we're, we're showing our relationship with each other. For example, as a priest, okay, I happen to wear a traditional priestly hat when I serve. Some priests do, some priests don't. When I visit a church where the priest does not, I don't bring my hat, okay? But when I go to a monastery, when the monastery asks the priests to wear their hats, I wear my hat, right? So the issue is that relationship. It's not about the hat. It's about the dignity of the relationship. And so I would say, if you're visiting a jurisdiction which is more strict, mm -hmm. when you're visiting that jurisdiction, you're going to abide by the customs of that tradition. Right. Do, they, do you think that they have these traditions because they believe in one part of Corinthians? Like, I feel like some jurisdictions, <clears throat> they feel strongly about women you know, having their head covered. Well, I think, honoring. right, no, I hear you. And then the other part is like, you know, the long hair, because now I see it in a different perspective, you know. Right, so. Why it's not so strict in other. Right, now I, I will also say this, because only because you asked the question the way you did. Right. Keep in mind that this passage also tells men they should not have long hair. Right. And the exact same Russian tradition that demands women cover their heads allows and encourages men to wear long hair. Okay? And so <clears throat> they're following one part of Corinthians and not the other. I'm okay with that because, again, it's not about the scarf. It's about what is culturally appropriate in that particular context. I, I, I did a sermon about this many years ago when I was in South Carolina <clears throat> about Greek Orthodox versus Russian Orthodox versus, you know. Every culture has a lived experience. And also, they're cold, and they have to wear them to go to school. So, well, they're not wearing them because they're cold, but, um, but again, Russia has its own cultural context. And I'm not going to disrespect that cultural context just because we here in America don't do that. Mm -hmm. Now, keep in mind, if you go to Greece, the women are covering their heads in church. Mm -hmm. Only the old people. Only the old people, right? The old so, people, they don't. so I guess that means you don't cover your head when you go to Greece because you're not one of the old ones. No, I'm not going to cover. <laughs> I, I had it with a uh, covers. Okay. I had so, do you see? Do you see the answer? So, in, yeah, I, I, I would say that part of the struggle in America. And this is, and this is not limited to the question of head coverings only. In the, different, in the different Orthodox jurisdictions of America, for example, some of the jurisdictions, the priests wear a collar. I wear a robe. Some jurisdictions do not even allow the priest the choice, right? I think one of what makes it extra confusing in America is that we're bringing our old country culture in and we're trying to pretend that our American culture has absolutely nothing of value. Therefore, I have to remain 100% Russian to be Orthodox or 100% Greek to be Orthodox. And I'm not talking about language, all those other customs. So I think what makes it a little bit more complicated in America is there is a, there is a current trend to just throw out anything and everything American. 
Well, that itself is not orthodox, right? When the church went to Russia, it embraced Russian culture as part of its lived experience. So the fact that there's a current common trend today, contemporary in America, to kind of shun off America stuff, that I think is actually not orthodox in the context of how we've gone around the entire world. Now keep in mind, I wear a traditional robe. I don't wear a collar like other priests do. It doesn't make me a better priest or a worse priest. I happen to be a little bit more old-fashioned in that sense, right? Um, I hope that answers the question. But I think, I think that's, why I make, that's why American can be a little complicated. Thank you, Father. Right? Yeah. Also is how you enter the church and how you aren't chills and right. how you receive. That's my question. Right. Not because you're going to put the scarf Right where you are. Well, and that gets to what that gets what Christian was saying. Don't dress one way and live another. You know, if you're going to come to church dressed like a like a like a like a babushka, then maybe you should live like a like a babushka. All right. All right. So it's eight o'clock. We have come one full hour. I hope you enjoyed tonight's Bible study. Again, I have redeveloped the study guides on my website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org slash Bible-studies. Feel free to visit there, pick up. We always, either a couple of days or so ahead of the Bible study, I will post the new study guide so you can get some work in advance. Until next week, God bless you, and don't forget to live a new life in Christ. Be Transfigured is a production of Be Transfigured Ministries in cooperation with the St. Nicholas Greek Orthodox Cathedral in Tarpon Springs, Florida. We depend upon your generosity to maintain our ministry. You can make a safe online donation when you visit our website, liveanewlifeinchrist.org.